Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Page, where we at Marvel vs. Marvel revisit the comic book histories of some of your favourite Marvel characters. If you're joining us for the first time, each and every episode of MVM is packed with this kind of history and trivia as we explore the Marvel movies and the comic books that inspired them. If history had gone a little bit differently, Will, we'd be sitting down today to discuss the movie X-Men Origins Badger. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my brother has an obsession with badgers, so it's doubly funny for me. That was the original name for Wolverine's character when he was being dreamed up. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. Uh, What kind of badger? (laughs) It's like a honey badger or a British badger. Cause the, 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 the legendary Marvel writer and editor, Roy Thomas, is the man who succeeded Stan Lee, as we've talked in about before. He succeeded Stan Lee as editor-in-chief and, and guiding creative force at Marvel mm. Comics. He wrote practically every Marvel comic that there, there was, and he created seminal characters like Ultron and Vision. Um, he, he invented adamantium, because that's what Ultron is, is made of. Mm. And in 1974, he decided... Partly because of pressure from the parent company, that that Marvel needed to have um, a character to appeal to all their Canadian readers, mm. and he decided the new super character should be based on a fearsome North American animal like the badger. Uh, <laughs> so he, he gave an interview and he explained. Uh, when I decided we should have a Canadian character, and even that it would be named after a fierce northern animal. I was conflicted between Wolverine and Badger. <laughs> Finally, I decided that Badger had the connotations of heckling and nagging, whilst Wolverine virtually had the word wolf in it. Wolverine sounds like slashing. I don't know because it's been imprinted in our heads because of our association with the character. But Badger, because we're British, what do you think of when you think of Badger? You think a lovely character from the, wood, the, the Wind in the Willows. Just to go back to his quote there, Wolverine virtually had the word wolf in it. Then call the character the wolf, Roy. <laughs> don't, don't go out of your way to find other words that happen to sort of have the word wolf. If the wolf is a really good name for a character, call him wolf. Anyway, um, Thomas himself wouldn't do any actual writing when it came to Wolverine. He was too busy just doing everything else at Marvel. Um so he handed the character over to other creatives to design and write. He gave his team, though, three directives when it came to Wolverine. One, the character is Canadian and announced that almost immediately. It is prominently announced that he is Canadian. Two, he was short. He had to be short because Wolverine is a small animal. And three, he had to have a quick temper because Wolverines are known for being fierce and taking on beasts far bigger than they are. Um, legendary artist John Romita was Marvel's art director at the time. He handled a huge amount of 
art tasks that weren't associated with drawing a monthly comic. It was Romita's job to create the design and look of this brand new character, which had no backstory and had no script yet. It just had those three directives. So Romita created a design that featured this iconic yellow and blue costume that would endure uh, in comic books and video games and cartoons for, for decades to come. The original Wolverine mask had what we consider now on Wolverine's mask from the from, from, from the cartoons and everything, those almost Batman-like ears that come up from the side. They were really short, like the short ears of some sort of Wolverine or Badger character. And he had these black stripes across the face, giving the rather bizarre appearance of whiskers. That's 100% what they were. Wolverine's original mask had whiskers on them. John Romita was also responsible, perhaps the most important detail in, in the history of the character. He gave Wolverine claws Ooh. sticking out from his gloves. In fact, to begin with, Wolverine's claws were only ever intended to be a feature of his costume, like a... a <laughs> A gadget, a weapon that he used. They, they would pop out of the gloves, pop back into the gloves, but they were not meant to be part of his body or his powers. The, the, the task of then introducing Wolverine to the Marvel Universe and creating his, um, his personality and his story, that was handed to a writer called Len Wein. Len Wein is an, was, sadly passed away, an absolute powerhouse of creativity um, in comic books, he worked for virtually every major publisher that mattered. And he left an incredible lasting mark on on the business. Ween created characters like Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus for Marvel. He co-created Swamp Thing and Lucius Fox for DC Comics. Hmm. Um, and he was the editor for Alan Moore's Watchmen, which ah. was a Herculean task. And then he moved on from comics, and he was a writer for television. And he wrote for Batman the Animated Series, the Animated X-Men, Animated Spider-Man. He wrote for Transformers, Ben 10, a bunch of other, like, loads and loads of well-remembered, fondly-remembered cartoon cartoon shows. Um, he, he was just... Uh, he was bursting with creativity, and, and he was bursting with characters and stories, and he sadly missed... Mm. Ween... Crafted a three-part story in The Incredible Hulk, which acted as Wolverine's debut, introduced him to, to the world. The, the Hulk finds himself in Canada, where he's lured into a mystical situation featuring the Wendigo. The, the, the Wendigo is a genuine mythological evil spirit, um, sort of that the, comes from the First Nation, the indigenous people in uh, North okay. America, and that plagues the forest of Canada. In the Marvel Universe, any man who turns to cannibalism in these North American regions is transformed by this curse into a huge animalistic white haired monster. It's a seriously cool character. It's like a spiritual, supernatural Hulk monster. It's really cool. And the Hulk and Wendigo have battled many times. This time they get into this huge battle and the rampage draws the attention of the Canadian military who deployed their very own costumed super agent to deal with these two monsters, 
the Wolverine. <laughs> five foot five, tiny little dude with whiskers on his mask, and he attacks these two giant monsters with his claws. Like the epitome of what Roy Thomas wanted. You know, short, mm. fearsome, going after people bigger than him all the time. Um, uh, the very first thing Wendigo does, uh, sorry, Wolverine does, is he stabs the Wendigo in the throat. Oh! <laughs> and, and he only survives because it's supernatural. But it's just, it's just immediately taken out of the fight. <laughs> he just stabs <laughs> him right in that goddamn throat. He just sounds um, like a Scotsman. He sounds so Scottish. Small stabs you in the throat in a fight or something. I think we're going to get letters about that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. My granddad's Scottish. He filled me in on all these facts. Uh, but but the Hulk very easily beats uh, Wolverine with like one glancing blow, and later on the Canadian military arrive and they have to like take over yeah. the the job that Wolverine couldn't do, and and that's pretty much the end for the Wolverine. Nobody would see him again until the next year, because in 1975 Roy Thomas has another big idea, and that is to resurrect the X Men. Ah uh, yes. A great companion piece of this episode is our X-Men movie episode, the 2000 film X-Men. Um, go back and check that one out. You'll remember from that that the X-Men comic book was not popular in the 60s. One of the early creations of Stanley and Jack Kirby, but it didn't sell very well and it got cancelled. Well, by 1975, Marvel was ready to essentially reboot the series and try again with a like a fresh, dynamic new team of, of mutants. And they weren't so interested in them all being teenagers anymore. <laughs> Marvel's parent company at the time, Cadence Industries, they they had this big mandate with Marvel that Marvel needed to have more international appeal with its characters. And part of that is what led to the creation of a Canadian superhero. But it would impacts the X-Men as well the X-Men was now meant to be like the Captain Planet concept um, <laughs> we had to have characters from gathered different nationalities and backgrounds so we get Nightcrawler from Germany Colossus mm. from Russia Storm from Kenya, Banshee from Ireland um, and the creative team behind this reboot was um, artist Dave Cockrum and writer Len Wein and Wein decided to reuse the Canadian Wolverine character from his Hulk story. And just like that, Wolverine went from being a costumed secret agent guy to a mutant. Um, because you have to be a mutant if you're going to be in the X-Men. Indeed. Uh, both Roy Thomas, the, the guy who came up with the idea initially, and Len Wein, the writer, they had intended for Wolverine to be a young college-age superhero like Spider-Man. Ooh. But he'd only ever been drawn with his mask on. And they never got a chance to show that he was a young kid in those, in those stories. Once the new X-Men series began for real, the artist Dave Cockrum, he drew Wolverine with his mask and his costume off for the first time. And he was no kid. Wolverine was drawn to be considerably older than the rest <laughs> of the X-Men. A man in his 40s with long sideburns and a hairy chest. Kind of a Clint Eastwood look. Yeah. Um, and once it's down on the page, it has to stay. So, kiss goodbye to Teenage Wolverine <laughs> as a concept. Um, the, the, the rebooted X-Men series was immediately handed to a 24-year-old writer called Chris Claremont, who 
is essentially the father of the X-Men. And he spends 16 years writing the comic book, melding the classic Marvel soap opera that we're used to, and the tension. Good guys can hate each other and have tension. And, and the, 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 the high drama of, of the emotional world, with the high concept of like science fiction stories. They go into outer space, and they fight giant mutant hunting robots from the future. And... And, and and thrilling action and, and twists and turns and deaths and also deals with like the painful real world issues like apartheid, like racism. Um Clement transformed the X Men from this book that was so crap no one bought it and it got cancelled into the best selling comic book in the world. And, and, and turned the X Men to a franchise. Clement made the X Men into the team for Generation X. And Wolverine is intrinsically such a big part of that success. It's Clement that gives Wolverine the character and personality that we all know to this day, modelling him on Clint Eastwood. This sort of Dirty Harry meets the outlaw Josie Wales, a tough, (laughs) gruff, violent warrior who... But who always does the right thing, no matter how much it pains him. Um, Claremont came up with the name Logan for him and uh, fashioned his long-standing passion for Jean Grey and his bubbling tension with everybody else, like everybody. And Claremont gives him this mysterious, deep past, this past so mysterious not even Wolverine knows it or remembers where he came from. Um, Wolverine was insanely popular I mean Wolverine was dangerous in a way that very few comic book characters in the mainstream were allowed to be Mm. he was a violent the violent anti-hero that was really popular in, in cinema in the 70s and 80s Wolverine reflected that for perhaps some of the earliest times like before Punisher hit his mark and really became popular, Wolverine was there doing some of that Clement's X-Men had a lot of dark tones to it and one of them was that Wolverine would straight up murder villains, if he thought they deserved it (laughs) I mean not just Wolverine, Rogue murdered people as well, I Mm. mean the X-Men could be very dark at times but that level of danger with Wolverine made him stand out in the rest of the Marvel Universe he became the breakout character of the X-Men and and probably the breakout character of Marvel Comics in general. I mean, he was a huge part of why that book was so insanely popular in the 80s and the 90s. There were all these fan magazines that that ran polls of most popular hero. Wolverine won like eight, nine (laughs) years in a row, just constantly the most popular character. Um, He was spun off into his own miniseries which I really recommend and fleshed out parts of his background and past and he received his own ongoing series so now he's in the multiple X-Men comics monthly and he's in his own Wolverine comic every month as well and then the Wolverine comic gets so popular they start having to print it twice a month because they can just sell that much Wolverine comics to people um, and, and, and he then gets what I like to call the Spider-Man nod since the 1960s Spider-Man had been Marvel's most popular character 
and mm. it became a statistical fact that if you had Spider-Man make a guest appearance in another comic book, stick him on the front cover, that comic book will sell a lot more comics, right? Yeah. So that's what they did. Spider-Man is always guest starring in loads of other comics to get readers to go and buy them. By the end of the 80s, Wolverine was becoming that character. He was Marvel's second most popular character, and he's now guest starring in everything all the damn time. Because if you put Wolverine in a book, kids will buy it. Um, Toys, video games, merchandise, Wolverine was on all of it, he was everywhere, t-shirts and clothes. Um, And when Fox Kids launches the X-Men animated series in 1992, once again, all over again, Wolverine becomes the breakout star. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind the page, behind the scenes, and comic book Marvel history. Marvel.